So the reason I chose William Peace was because of their stellar game design program. It's very rare to find a game design program in the United States at all, let alone North Carolina. And this place seemed like the right place for me for where I wanted to go and the connections I could make uh, within the program. Turn your hobby into a career in one of the highest paid professions in the country with William Peace University's Simulation and Game Design Program. Master design, 3D modeling, and programming in a state-of-the-art space with the latest and most remarkable technologies available. Find out more at peace.edu. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. All right, we have another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. I'm your moderator. Consider me the, uh, the Tim Russert of the Canes Corner Podcast, uh, or the John McLaughlin of the Canes Corner Podcast, Brian LeBlanc from Canes Country is here. Alec Campbell, uh, the uh, the host, uh, the, your able-bodied host of not only Stormwatch, but also the aftermath during the season. And we have an empty chair, not for Elijah. There's a, uh, people, some people will get that, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, uh, maybe Sarah Sivian will join us in, uh, in a little bit. We'll I see. don't know why I'm here. All I do is read and regurgitate the things that you guys write. <laughs> what's the, da- what's the Dow doing today, Alec? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I haven't taken a look at that. <laughs> Thank you. Alec doesn't need the Dow until three. We're recording this before <laughs> noon. Alec doesn't need to know what the Dow is doing until three o'clock. Uh, all right, let's, let's just kind of, uh, rehash a couple of things. I know we, we, you, Brian, you wrote about it. I wrote about it. Alec read both pieces. Draft. Yeah. Let's get to uh, just your overall uh, overall impression of draft weekend. Really good, I thought. I mean, you know, we all kind of agree that the draft is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to be able to evaluate it. It's ridiculous to do winners and losers two days after a But draft. everybody does it. But everybody does it. And fine, <laughs> whatever. I mean, it's as 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 someone who sits in the studio regularly says it's all about the content right um there's there there's definitely something to be said for using all of the picks and i think that what really put a put a cap on the ability to deal any of those picks cuz we had talked uh, we had talked before about making sure that they tried to use those picks to try to leverage the roster. I think the fact the salary cap wasn't finalized on draft day really kind of put a damper on that. I Is mean, there a big it, difference between 83 and 81? Well, fans? not to the Hurricanes, but to the teams that they could have been trading with. I mean, you know, it's it's a matter of do you need to cut $4 million from your cap or do you need to cut $6 billion? It can be a different player. So, you know, that kind of put everything. And I, I, I saw some people talking about this. There really weren't any player-for-player player trades at the draft this no, year. No, there, were, there weren't. There so were not. I, I, I really think that the cap not being finalized until Saturday afternoon had more to do with that. It was much more of a – it wasn't quite a philosophical thing. They weren't going to trade the picks. It was, you know, just the logistics of it didn't really work. But for the picks that they used, I thought Ryan Suzuki was a good pickup. In fact, we had some people talking in our comments that, you know, when they got down to that point in the draft and they're talking about who they want to take, they'd forgotten he was still available and right. uh, and and was impressed that they were able to get him at 28. Obviously, Don – uh, Waddell said they had him at 12 on right. their chart, so a good value pick for them. You know, they've found gems in the second round before, and one that specifically that I think we'll talk about before this uh, podcast is done. Who? I, I don't know. Some guy. Um, Alex Delkovich. Right. Um, yeah. But 
You know, um, I think they did a good job. Uh, Patrick Pustola, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Sure. Close enough. You know, after doing they this drafted for, Finns. I, yeah, they drafted Finns. You can't Finns. have enough Finns uh, in did. my book. I, an entire team of Finns would be fine. He was actually a guy that um, our prospects guy, who also happens to be my brother. Um, oh, really? Yeah, actually. Uh, profiled as a possible first-round pick. Yeah, I um, saw that. And the, the Hurricanes took him in the third. So, I mean, you know. There, you... there were some of the scouting services that had uh, Puistola. I don't know. Sure. Uh, rated as a uh, as a first-round pick. Yeah. Alec, do you have any uh, general thoughts about what we uh, what we just went through this past weekend? Oh, I think everything's <laughs> going to be fantastic. I think Ryan Suzuki is a, is a, is a future Hart Trophy winner. <laughs> Probably wow. Con Smythe and Selkie winner as well. We're wow. going to put this on the rack. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Mark the tape. Talk to me <laughs> in four or five years from now. And don't be surprised. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. But uh, Also, you can see all, Alec at Prospect Camp the rest of this week. All of the buzz well, phrases right there. Unfortunately, <laughs> they, unfortunately, they practice at like 530. Right, yeah. We can't, uh, I'm so going to kick it out there until Friday. Maybe <laughs> Friday, yeah we'll, yeah. we'll we'll see him there. And I'll be, I'll be, um, be there Saturday, Saturday for the whole thing. Quite frankly, in terms of all of the, the write-ups for every single draft pick, I ain't got time for all those. So I didn't read all of them. So <laughs> you're presenting to me uh, more information than I have found out at this point. <laughs> Uh, but listen, the one big thing that I did come away with was that I was surprised that given the, the, the fact that the hurricanes had such a successful season and their young players, uh, in the AHL with the, with the checkers had such a successful season winning the Calder cup. And they did have so many picks that I was kind of expecting a little bit more wheeling and dealing from the hurricanes and besides the Patrick Marlowe situation that happened, none of that really occurred. Um, you know, like you said, it's not always a bad thing to use the picks that you have. But I think the Hurricanes were in a position of leverage with some of the things that went well for them this year in terms of trying to improve the mm-hmm. NHL roster. Because at this point, that's really where we are with this team is we need to get better at the NHL level because they're on the cusp of being a pretty decent team again, and they didn't really do that yet. Not only that, you could kind of see with, and I know we'll talk about the trade later, but Alexi Sorella, the you know kind of mm-hmm. the forgotten part of the Calvin DeHaan deal, uh, was moved for really no other reason than a numbers crunch. I mean, they don't have a spot for him, and they're going to start running into those problems with these guys, and I think Sorella's probably the – the tip of the iceberg when it comes to that, you know, they've got guys in Charlotte that are ready for NHL mm-hmm. spots and they just don't have the, I mean, you can only carry 23 guys on a roster and at some point that, that, that crunch is going to come down. It's going to force the hand on a couple of players. I have another, I have a, I have a couple of theories about, uh, about that uh, trade. I don't know what the value is of drafting 12 players um, because we don't know. First of all, my guess is that maybe one of those players will actually sign an entry-level contract this year. Maybe one. I don't even know who that one might be. I think they're all headed back to juniors, uh, uh, Finland, Europe, in the Mm -hmm. case of the goalie from Russia, Russia. maybe Russia, uh, or college. I mean, so because I got a lot of that, like, well, we have all these players in Charlotte. Where are they going to go? We stocking an ECHL roster? By the way, we'll talk ECHL (laughs) as well. That's called a tease in the business. Uh, So – doesn't create a numbers crunch. No. But I do wonder uh, why, like, the, the NHL roster is not better today. In fact, it's significantly less today than it was going into the draft 
Granted, it's a longer game than that. We still have free agency to start in uh, July 1, and there is uh, a kind of a shuffling that will go on over the next maybe two or three weeks. But pretty much when we get to the middle of July, that's your team Mm -hmm. headed to training camp unless something strange uh, happens. I want to talk about the Marlowe trade. My view of it, uh, I've written about it uh, now I think twice, Mm -hmm. and I've tweeted all, all about it. It was a complete buy of a first-round pick. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. All, that's all it was, is a buy of a first-round pick. So what I didn't understand, it, if they had made that exact same trade, if Patrick Marlowe was playing in the Western Conference and they made that trade with the Western Conference team uh, to essentially give them salary cap relief because that's what they did for Toronto, then I would be fine with it. But the Hurricanes are have to be looking at the Maple Leafs as this is a team that could potentially be standing in our way of making the playoffs this upcoming no year. Question. So to me, is it worth, this is where they picked, they would have picked this year had they not traded the pick, 22nd. Is it worth the 22nd pick in the draft to make it easier for Toronto to stack, to, to build their own roster? In my opinion, the answer is no. Uh, so I didn't understand. Forget about the money. The money is irrelevant. The cap space is irrelevant. To me, it didn't make sense to help them out mm-hmm. because I've done the math with Toronto's roster. They can bring back everybody on their roster, add two second-pair defensemen. If they can do that for $10 million, their team is their team is set. They're under the salary cap, even at $81.5 million. Assuming they re-sign Marner to what? Uh, assume, I, I actually gave Marner the exact same thing that they gave Matthews. Okay. I, and I gave uh, uh, Andreas Kapanen. Johansson. Mm-hmm. Or Johnson, I gave him the same thing that they gave Kapanen, okay, which is three point three. Yeah, they're both uh, right in that right, right in that ballpark. So if they can bring back their the Patrick Marlowe six point two five million dollar bit uh, bite hurts Toronto. Mm-hmm. To me, that should have been leveraged for a player. I mean, heck, even if it was Connor Brown, which I'm not advocating, but right. even if it was. Take somebody off their NHL roster. Mm-hmm. We didn't do it. And I that's agree. my problem ultimately with the trade. Um, but, hey, look, it's the 22nd pick in the draft. Whatever the, wherever the Hurricanes pick, you can package them and trade up. And maybe end up with the top, you know, top three pick next year. It's supposed to be a good draft next year. It's supposed year. to be a great draft. I mean, people, people right. that follow this stuff say that it's a, it's a better draft than this year. We don't know. I mean, you know. <laughs> 2000, you look back at 2003, and that's probably the best, like the high water mark of the draft. And at the time, you know, it was it was kind of recognized as good, but I don't think anybody saw it as being an all timer. The the point here is, you never know. You don't know. You have no idea. No. Um, and I I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think that was that was a perfect situation, almost identical to the one that they wound up with with Tavo Teravainen for. Sure. Because they had to bail out Brian Bickle's contract, and we and and it was leveraged for a yep. player who, by yep. the way, has turned into be turned into a very good. Yeah. You yeah, know, one of the one of the NHL keystone followers. players yeah. on this roster. That's my problem. Yeah, I I, so. I tend to agree with you. I mean, yeah, Connor Brown. You know, you're basically I'm, I'm trading kidding, for Brock but... McGinn, basically. But right. the point the point stands. At the very least, you're going to get something out of that deal. I wouldn't Marlo's... have taken Connor Brown. I would have taken either of the RFAs, sure. either either Kapanen or uh, or Johnson or. Nazim Kadri, who well, I've heard the, rumors that they're trying to move anyway. The uh, the Leafs apparently were trying to unload Marlowe's contract with a second rounder, and the Hurricanes talked him into a first, and nobody else would even take that. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I I tend to agree with you that they probably should have gotten a little bit more. We're still under the impression that Marlowe's going to be bought out. 
Um, oh, I'm, Don, I, was to, I was told directly yeah. it's a buy that yeah. they bought a first round pick yeah. directly. Yeah, but so I'll I mean, be shocked if but he's Don. Not. Don yesterday again said, you know, kind of reading between the lines. Yeah, they're going to do the they're going to do the cursory. We'd like to have you here, but it's going to be we'd like to have you here. No, I'd like to go home. Okay, my sources and, say uh, that Don is just being polite. Well. Don is a very polite guy. Let's be real. Uh, so that 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 that's my uh, my issue. A- Alec, you, you're a big Blackhawks guy, so you you're, we're going to you for the scouting report on Anton Forsberg and um, Gustav, Gustav Forsling. Forsling. There's a lot of fours going on. <laughs> fours are wild here. Uh, I tweeted this after the deal, <laughs> and the only thing that makes me excited about this trade is that potentially we could be dealing with a Forsland, a Forsling, and a Forsberg right. this year. Four. And that would be fun. That would be a formidable trio, <laughs> oh, potentially. I get, oh. I get it. You know what I'm saying? He was on a roll with those yeah. the I other day. Was... Some others brought some other ones up. Man, what a four check. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of things rolling around. That is a foursome right there. All right, so. But Anton Forsberg right. can't be my goaltender, period, no. point blank. That guy's been passed up by at least two, if not mm-hmm. three people, in the Blackhawks organization over the last two years. He he tried to come in and uh, be kind of a savior for Corey Crawford when Crawford went down and didn't play terribly but also didn't play all that well. In fact, I think his record was like four or five games under five hundred. Um, and then he was subsequently passed up by the Delia guy yep. um, and then dropped to to a, a backup goaltender in Rockford. Right. And then even so, But even before that, he was passed by Jonas Corposalo in Columbus mm-hmm. even before he was traded to Chicago. There you go. So so I, I don't see where he like fits in as a potential NHL goaltender at this point. And I guess that's sort of the biggest problem that I have with the DeHaan situation is that, you know, Aside from the fact that Calvin DeHaan was a cool dude and a fun guy to cover and a, and a really good player, I understand that having a guy making $4.5 million on your third pair is you know not ideal. Uh, but given the state of this Hurricanes defense core, that's just the way that things shook out this year. So that was kind of the deal there. My problem mostly was what they got in return. Now, the Forsling kid is... Uh, is interesting to me only because I'm not sure we really know what he's going to be yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy, he's 23. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 23 years old or 22, whatever he is. Um, and, you know, the person that I talked to, a friend of mine uh, who covers the team in Chicago, says he's kind of the epitome of a change of scenery type of guy in the sense that, you know, it just hasn't worked out for him there. He's been injury-plagued for a lot of his time uh, in the NHL or in professional hockey uh, for that matter. And so, you know, p- potentially you got a young kid who he says at, at its highest level uh, is a, a fourth defenseman, but most likely a third pair defenseman, which is fine if he's, you know, got some upside to him. And he says he's got all the tools to play. It's just that we haven't had a chance to see enough of him yet. So, you know, maybe there's something there with him, but it looks like he'll probably have to compete with a couple of people, assuming mm-hmm. those guys aren't traded in the offseason. Kind of reminds me of Trevor Van Riemsdyk in a way, you know, kind of a a healthy scratch seventh defenseman in Chicago mm-hmm. came here. You know, he's not, he's not going to set the world on fire, but he's a regular in the third pairing at this I like point. TVR. I, I do too. And and he's gotten better in the time that he's been here. And I can maybe see that happening to Forsling, but to be perfectly honest, this is, this was a salary dump. Everybody knows it was a salary well, and, dump and they still have to sign both these guys. They're both restricted right. free agents. Yeah. But then I mean, I, not that I, that's going to be an issue. They'll but. sign, they'll, they'll sign those types of restricted free agents easily. Uh, look, I wrote about this. I looked at this trade, 
as this is the Hurricanes version of what Toronto did. Yeah, they very paid, much so. They paid with Alexi Sarella mm-hmm. for Chicago to take Calvin DeHaan's salary. Yeah, agreed. That's what I mean. That's the way I looked at it. So I wasn't worried about the return. Toronto wasn't worried about the return. They got a what a sixth round pick. Yeah, right. For all of the stuff that they gave Carolina, they got a sixth round pick. So Carolina wasn't really worried about the return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, uh, Forsberg is probably a backup goalie in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Whoever Agreed. whoever the prospect is that is going to be the one in Charlotte, whether it's Helvig or Booth, mm-hmm. my intel says it's going to be Helvig. Yeah. Uh, they have, I think, moved on from Callum Booth already. Which really? I, I liked Booth last year in uh, in the summer, uh, but apparently they didn't necessarily like him so much this year. We'll see. Um, but regardless of who it is, that Forsberg is the veteran backup and fourth on the Hurricanes goalie depth chart going into okay, this year. Fine. So right, sure. so that that's fine. Uh, Forsling competes with. This is again, as Alex said, barring trade. Forsling competes with Flurry, and Bean. And Selgren, yes, for yeah. Selgren, maybe throw McEwen in there for yeah. no, no, but for the for the the left side, they like to do left right, yeah. even though Pesci's going to play the left side, uh, which I'm I'm glad about. Yeah, uh, but those four guys competing for the third pair left side, right? That that's a, that's the way it's going to work, and uh, one of them will be the starter, and and if it's Selgren, if he's good enough, maybe they keep him as a seventh guy, because I think if Selgren doesn't make the team, he has to go back to that's Sweden. Right. He can't play. Uh, in the HL because he's under contract mm-hmm. to the team in Sweden, Correct. to his team in Sweden. So that's the way I looked at this uh, at this deal. Um, but th- th- to be honest, we have, we have this organization has tons of third pair defensemen. You're right about McEwen. Yeah, McEwen can play if Van Riemsdyk can't start the season. I think that's probably McEwen's Rollett, spot. Who's also a, a restricted free agent, mm-hmm. but McEwen. Yeah, I don't think there's any question he'll be the right side. D. Yeah, I tend to agree. I I wrote about this uh, after the trade actually late. I, I I joked at the beginning of this that my family and I were watching Toy Story four and the tears were legit, not because of the trade, <laughs> but because of the movie. I have not seen Toy. St- I haven't even seen Toy Story three yet. Oh my god! I don't know that I've seen Toy Story. Story two. Oh, I've seen wow. Toy Story one, and I think well, that's it's been it. nice talking to you guys. Ar- I could argue that Toy Story two is better than Toy Story one. Oh, I would. I would yeah. absolutely agree. I yeah. think Toy Story two is better. All right, that's not what they're listening to the show for. No, maybe, maybe it know. is. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm sure we have a lot of closet Toy Story people here. Oh, why do you have to be a closet Toy Story fan? That's true. I love greatest Toy Story. movie, greatest movie sequence ever, as far as I'm concerned. How many times have I said on this show? Like we talk a lot about animated movies on mm-hmm. our uh, on the radio show. Uh, how many times have I said, Alec, that? Uh, Robert De Niro's best role, Don Lino yeah. in Shark Tale. Yeah. Best role. <laughs> anyway. Um, I haven't seen it. So, what this You should see. What Peter Falk trade... is also good as Don Feinberg. Aye, aye, aye. What this trade did was <laughs> it took the Hurricanes' safety net out from under them. They have to re-sign Justin Falk now. They cannot lose both DeHaan and Falk well, without, Don, having, without having a replacement. I agree uh, on a on a on a macro level. Right, yes, right. But Waddell said yesterday that Don Waddell, President General Manager, that even if they don't re-sign Falk now, they're not trading him, and they'll go into the season right. with him, and they'll wait until after the season to engage Falk in a contract extension. It, but I don't think it can get to that point because then uh, we're going to be it's 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 aho plus because Fox is going to be unrestricted. Uh, well, he'll be unrestricted. But here's the th- here's what will happen, uh, and and this is why I would have signed him now. Right. I don't know what his demand was, but I my understanding is that the demand is not unreasonable, mm-hmm. uh, but that the Hurricanes don't want to commit to that for whatever reason they don't want to. And I, maybe there's there's a 
there's an actual good reason why you wouldn't um, um, that I'll bring up in a second. Well, he's making a shade under five right now. Right. Jacob Slavin's at what, 575, I think? I, no, f- f- it's, it's like it's, 5.4. Here, okay. Here's the thing. The the argument that you don't want to pay him more than Slavin is no. already out the window because Dougie Hamilton makes more than Jacob Slavin. Right, fair enough. But right. but what I'm saying is I think that's probably the area they want to get to, somewhere in the ballpark of where Slavin is, somewhere about five. Well, and a half he's going to cost six. more than that. You think so? Well, yeah, we, we can't. I'm I'm saying we. Tom Dundon cannot get into the habit of comparing other contracts to contracts signed that are below market rate. Jacob, I think we can all agree. That Jacob Slavin at five point four million is below the market rate oh, yeah. for a top defenseman in well, the so league. Well, so is Tavo Teravainen. To, exactly, and that's what I keep hearing is that well, is he this much better than Tavo Teravainen? Why are we comparing him against bargain contracts? Compare him against what the market is going to bear. And to me, Justin Falk, if Justin Falk asked the Hurricanes for five years, thirty million, why are we complaining about that? I think you take that deal absolutely. Why are we complaining about mm-hmm. that? Five, six million a year for Justin Falk. Sure. All right. Now, to me, the argument against signing Falk long term, uh, and I'll give you the pitfall in a second of him uh, going into the season without a co- contract extension. But to me, if you wanted to argue that last year was the outlier, mm-hmm. because we've all we how long Alec we've been watching Justin Falk for how many years? I think we were all ready for him to move on last summer. Well, he was ready to move on. I, I mean, his, his he had one foot out the door. Right. And they were going to deal him, but they couldn't find a good return. Right. So they kept him. And they, all of a sudden, the Justin Falk they had been waiting for for six years shows up. So He's great in the playoffs, too. I mean, it, it was great. All, only only Slavin was better than him in right. the playoffs. And even Slavin had, you know, slowed down after the first round. Alec, you talk to people after every game. Mm-hmm. How many people? If Justin Falk sneezes the wrong way, oh yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, right. It's every every single little misstep that Justin Falk makes is somehow an indictment on you know his entire season or who he is as a player or whatever. It's like, dude, chill out a little bit. You know. <laughs> I hope we see him. And now I feel like they're kind of in a position where they can't really lose him. That's what I'm saying. Well, for yeah. this year, they yeah. definitely can't. And here's the and here's the problem with not signing him long term right now. What are we talking about next in year? November? Mm-hmm. In same December. problem you ran into with Ajo. Well, no, 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 no. In in November, as when when we start talking about moves at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. if the Hurricanes are not in great playoff, uh-huh. oh, playoff I see what you mean. All yeah. all we're doing is dealing with rumors. Justin Fox going to be moved. Justin Fox going to be moved. I don't think that's good for this team um, long term. I think you either sign, and this is why you do you you make these decisions before you get to their walk year. Yeah, yeah. I get Dom Waddell, and I get the the rumors, the rumor mill from people. Well, let's see what he does in his uh, in his the last year of his contract. You're always motivated. Yeah, you are. Jeff Skinner scored a thousand goals this year, uh, and Buffalo overpaid him by probably two million dollars a, a half, year. Two million a year, yeah. right? And that's fine. That's that you score goals, you're going to get paid. I get it, um, but. Why would you do that? And what have we also learned about sports in general? The longer you wait, the, the more, more expensive it, the more it costs. Yeah, the more I mean, ask Sebastian Ajo. So if Falk I, I has keep a big bringing year, that up, but Falk has a big year. If he goes back to being, uh, you know, 
an 18 goal scorer, which he never actually never scored 18. Uh, but but if, he, we, if we go back to getting queso for Justin Falk goals, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, because that's yes. an indicator, right? right. Fair. <laughs> so if he score, if he has a big year, if he has a 45 point year, I think his his uh, best is 48. But on a better team, if he has a 45 or 50 point season, and he goes into free agency, now you're talking about eight million a year for a guy you don't really want to lose. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and really can't afford to lose, right? Because so. What do you have behind him? They how mu- how much get him on I- the get him on the top power play with Dougie Hamilton and Justin Falk, and maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll he'll get those forty five points. Here's here's the thing about it: he got Falk gets hammered for their power play. Yeah, it's like he's, he's not the, the reason. issue. I I mean I think he's a is- an issue. I don't think he's the issue. Yo, there's four what? other guys on the ice that are just as incompetent as he was at times. I have, I just think that they're not they're too wide. It's just, I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. enough about how you structure a good power play, except I watched Boston uh, and their power play, and they seem to operate. Why are they so close? Why are they inside the circles? Why are they 12, 20 feet inside the blue line? Why are they doing that? So clearly Adam's answer to fixing the power play is trade for Patrice Bergeron. Moving on. And Pasternak. All right, we need Pasternak, we need Marshawn. Tori right. Krug. Krug. Yeah, hey, can be a free agent next year. <laughs> Get him. There you go. Get him. Um, is it whatever just a he wants, pay him. <laughs> All right, um, roster right now. What do they need? What they do need they a, need? They need a center. Center. There's no question right? they need a center and a goaltender. Well, well <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean that's go- kind of a big one. <laughs> Let's just. I, I hate to work from an assumption because I want to talk about the free agents in a second. Um, but for. So let's just say they bring back suitable goaltending or bring in suitable goaltending. Mrazek or even if it's Simeon Varlamov, regardless. Um, Goaltending is not necessarily the the issue at this point. We know they're going to get someone. I think you're right. and And to me, a center, I'd rather have a center than a top six winger. Agreed. They could have used a center... At the trade deadline last year, I agree. So like, let's go let's, back to the go back to the center depth at the beginning of last year when you're looking at Sebastian Ajo, first year playing center, and he was started on the wing, right? And he started on the yeah. wing. You had you, so you had uh, Jordan Stahl, Victor Rask, mm-hmm. Lucas Walmart. Well, Rask was hurt. Rask Actually, was hurt. That's true. Ajo yeah. started the year in the middle. The funny thing is, is that Brindamore moved him to the wing, and that was the game that Stahl got hurt. That's right. Yeah, you're right. That was the game Stahl got hurt. So, whether whether Rod wanted to do it or not, and he didn't, he didn't. He, his hand was forced. He Aho was. You're right. He was in the middle. You had Stall. You had Rask, and you had um, Walmart. Walmart. That was it. I mean, we and so now we're down. We're down. Greg McKeg, who eventually became the fourth line replacement for Walmart when he bumped up. Walmart's going to stay. Stall's going to stay. Aho, sure. Let's. I know I talked about assumptions, but well, no. I mean, I mean, talking about whether he's going to be here oh, next be year. Here. I know he's going to be. Here, I mean, just look. The, the, is there a possibility that he's a holdout? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's a possibility that he's a holdout. Uh-huh. Do you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm. I'd anyway. cry. I'd. I'd. Uh, I'd cry for all of it. Um, but but, but, but Alex left? right. Yeah. Alex right. In that at the deadline last year, if they were going to make an ad, that's where they should have made an ad at center to give them. To give them options. That's what Brenda Moore talked about when Rask came back. It gave them options, even though Rask was trash. I mean, I mean, the game, whether it's injury or what, the sport just blew past 
Victor Rask. Oh, yeah, he I can't loved find, him. He can't find well, a home on the fourth line in Minnesota. I, mean, I loved him as a rookie. It ended up being an endearing part of the team this year that we we saw Sebastian Ajo kind of take the next step, although still not you know a dominant player. We saw Lucas Walmark step up during those times when Jordan Stahl was mm-hmm. out, and we saw Greg McKegg become sort of a like a cult hero right. type player here, and that that was part of the story of the Hurricanes this year. But it ain't sustainable. On a good team, I think Lucas right. Walmark is probably a combo third, fourth line center. Somewhere in between the two. Yeah, I don't Maybe know if getting... he profiles great as a four. I don't but... think he does, but I think that you need to get somebody in the three that's better than him. Here, Well, here's – I don't disagree with that. And frankly, to me, Lucas Walmark would have been a perfect throw-in for a trade with uh, whatever team you wanted to make a deal with to get somebody that you could really plug into your top six. Yeah. To me, that that's why I thought, look, I dream about these things all the time. Why, I don't know, because it's, it's your wasted. Your wife's got to hate it's that. It's wasted energy. Ah, she's asleep anyway. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Take a melatonin and knock <laughs> out. Really? Uh, like, I, I thought before the draft, hey, Walmart, the number 28, and who knows? Maybe another, maybe one of the second round picks. Mm-hmm. For the rights to William Carlson. Yeah. Right? And that's a heck now, of a deal Carlson they wanted to stay in, in Vegas, uh, so he just signed eight years, just under $6 million annual average, uh, and that's great. But that type of player, man, who's a, a more prototypical two-center than William Carlson? Right now? He is a yeah. perfect second-line center. Regardless. Matt Duchesne, I think, is a perfect second-line center on a good team. I really do. Yeah, I no, think I, I agree. A, a, top, a top two of Duchesne and Ajo, I, I mean – if that's the path they want to go down, and maybe Duchesne has his heart set on Nashville, everybody's kind of saying does. that. Yeah. But you know that would be as far as as far as a cultural fit, in much the same way that Dougie Hamilton was a good cultural fit here. Matt Duchesne would be a perfect cultural fit here. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, it would be a great player. I think the Hurricanes will approach Matt Duchesne. I I mean, can't hurt him. I mean, it's. I think it's funny that we're back in the in the Matt Duchesne I'm, conversation. I've never because, been an enormous fan because we we, okay. we were there a couple of years ago, and uh, then yeah. he and then he le- then he went to uh, he went, to when he went to Ottawa, yeah. And then it was like, okay, we didn't get that guy so much for that. Part of me was more interested in Gabriel Landeskog. Oh than, yeah, yeah. Uh, than Matt Duchesne because oh, he's were, a, he ain't going anywhere. Nah, <laughs> that, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. That top line. Whew. I am intrigued by Duchesne though. I also think for the money and the term, it might work out. Um, it might work out a little bit better than than some of the other players out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the do they offer sheets? Was, someone? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think so. I think there will be zero offer sheets. Zero. The more I the, tend to agree. The more I think about it, and the more I talk to people, zero offer sheets. I mean, one the, of my one of my in inalterable rules is whenever somebody says, "Well, this has to be the precursor to something bigger," it never is. And <laughs> well, ever. I, I think ever. I said that 60 times yeah. on Twitter. And and I think that <laughs> and I think that people carping about offer sheets and how this is going to be the summer it happens is quickly falling into that same bucket. I thought Tom Dundon would do it. I really did. If anybody because, in the league would, he would. But but Don basically conver- shot it down yesterday. My conversations with him said, "You don't do, it's not because you want to get the player." He says it's be, it's essentially because if you do that, in order to do it and get the player, you'd have to throw the entire salary structure out of whack. And he's right. And that's why you don't do it. I mean, an offer sheet that a theoretical offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo is probably going to start with a couple of years at eleven or twelve million dollars for that reason. And, and here's what Dundon said: he'd match it. Yeah. No, so I, if, I don't, so I don't if doubt Toronto it. Toronto offered. Toronto can't do it because there's if uh, Arizona actually Arizona might not be whoever <laughs> if somebody with with Florida Rome offered Aho, 
7 times 12, Sebastian Ajo would be here making 7 times 12. Mm-hmm. And then, he, and then he says, and then you have the ramifications of that and how it uh, filters down your roster. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, there... I mean, I understand wanting to get Aho on a on a on a better deal. So let's discuss that. Um, whatever the whatever the offer is, is Sebastian Aho, or I'll just say it this way: Are Sebastian Aho? Let's start with Alec again. Are Sebastian Aho and Jack Eichel comparable? No. You no, think you think not, Eichel's the better player? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think absolutely. Statistically speaking, I but they're I, really close. Yeah, but I test right. Okay. Adam, I test. Well, that's not going to go over well. <laughs> oh man! I, think, I mean, look, I I like Sebastian Ajo right. a lot, um, and I think that he's a really good player. But I think I'm hoping that there's another level to Sebastian Ajo that I think Jack Eichel is at that Sebastian is not at, and um, it, I think it's more from a like a a, a playmaking standpoint maybe than anything else. Because um, Jack Eichel seems to be able to uh, get other people involved a little bit better and also get his own on a more regular basis and take over games on a more regular basis. And I don't know that we've seen that from Sebastian Ajo yet. Head maybe, to head, maybe it's Ajo coming. got the better of Eichel. And there was a, That's and, true. And it was a matchup that Brenda Moore sought out. He put the, the Ajo line on the Eichel line. Uh, in the games that those that uh, the Hurricanes played with Buffalo, and the Ajo line won those battles. But I I I tend to agree with you. I don't think there's that big a gap though. No, I don't think. I there's... think Eichel's more physical, I and think that's the difference. Eichel probably gets paid a little bit more because of where he was drafted. Whether that's fair or not, he mm-hmm. was the second overall pick, and Ajo was picked thirty sixth. I mean, there's something to be said mm-hmm. for that. Um, I think that Ajo is still learning the center position in a way that I think Eichel's probably got it down at this point because Eichel came into the league as a center. Mm -hmm. So he's had experience going up against, you know, other teams' top lines. The Hurricanes, at least at home, don't necessarily need to worry about that as much because they've got Jordan Stahl to do that. But on the road, you've got to expect that, you know, Ajo on the road is going to be seeing Nicholas Backstrom. He's going to be seeing Patrice Bergeron. He's going to be seeing players like that, that, you know, you've got to learn how to play against those guys. Ajo's not quite there yet, and what I think is kind of interesting is that, to Alex's point, he's not a, a stereotypical setup center. I mean, he's not the guy that's – he's not Blake Wheeler that's going to be putting up 80 assists every year. And in a way, Tara Vinan's more of a setup guy than Ajo is, even though he's a winger. <laughs> Sometimes too much. Sometimes right. too much. He's got a heck of a well, shot, I mean, but he Tara rarely Vinan, uses it. I mean, by trade, was a center. Yeah. But has found a home, and I would never move him. It's kind of similar to Skinner in a way. I mean, remember when Skinner Skinner was was drafted, he was a center. Lindholm was also a center. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think Lindholm should be a center. I think so, too. Um, Ajo is still learning the position in a way that I think Eichel isn't, and I think that probably nudges Eichel ahead just a little bit. But as far as production, you can't argue with production, and they are very similar in terms of their production. Mika mm-hmm. Ranton is another guy that you were talking about that's yeah. right up there um, and is likely going to get, and you were talking about the projections of what contracts they're going to get. I think that Ranton and Ajo are going to, I mean, they know each other, obviously. And I think <laughs> they're going to get a pretty, you know, pretty similar contracts, maybe not quite for the same length. I think mm-hmm. Ranton probably will get a little longer deal, all things being equal. Well, how can, I mean, my understanding is the Hurricanes are not doing a five-year deal. Okay. There will not be a five, it'll be eight or one. That's my understanding. So you don't think there's any way they're going to meet at a six or seven? No, I think I think it'll be eight or the qualifying offer. That's why. That, 
If it's a qualifying offer, That's then I'm the, com- the Aho experiment's done. You're, I think you're 100% right, but I do believe – that's why I believe they will get a deal done. because And it may take longer, Yeah, but they'll get eight years done. Is the eight years more important to them than the, hurricanes? The, than the cap hit or the salary? Uh, I think that there is – Because they've got to negotiate on something. They can't just keep submitting the same offer right. over and over again and expect him to change his mind. Well, Something's got to give. You're right. <laughs> uh, and that's why I'm I'm a little bit kind of uneasy about all of this. Get him a country club membership. Tahoe's <laughs> a big golfer. He loves it. He, he's a new golfer, too. Right, yeah. yeah, we got plenty well, of great but golf he's good, courses though. here. He told me his yeah. handicap's under 10. Hey, Serious? Yeah. Jim Rutherford's, in the, Jim Rutherford's in the Hall of Fame now. Maybe you can get him in at Wakefield. <laughs> Maybe there's a dog he likes. Get him a dog. Oh. Get a golf membership. Maybe his dog can play with Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Hayden Fleury's dog, <laughs> well, and all the dogs can be best friends. As long as Hayden Fleury's here, that'd be a good thing. <laughs> uh, but that, it's, but it, it's a legit question. Are the Hurricanes more worried about the eight-year term, which I think yes. they probably are, or are they more worried about the salary? Because you're going to have to bend on one or two of those. Doesn't mean you have to lose the negotiation, but you can't keep giving them the same offer over right. and over again. And I don't think they will, but because at some point you have to be smarter about this. And I think this is the way I would look at it. And it's it's funny. I had a conversation about um, about we actually just brought him up, uh, Elias Lindholm, uh, with Rod Brindamore. And this goes back three years, about three years ago. I first started covering the team on a regular basis. It was right around draft time, about three years ago. And I said, "All right, I want your thought." I I just busted a phone call. I said, "I need your thoughts going into the draft uh, about certain players." Uh, and he once said to me about Elias Lindholm. Smart player isn't going to get any worse, right? And we all knew that at some point, some of the other things would catch up and Mm -hmm. Lindholm would be a better player. And we saw that here, and we obviously saw it playing with elite players in Calgary, what he he was able to do. When he wasn't playing with Goudreau and Sean Monaghan, he he reverted to the mean a little bit, but that's fine. But on on the wing, he didn't have quite as much to worry about as he did at center here. I I still think, ultimately, he's a good center, and he'll be a really good two-center at some point. Maybe he will be that with uh, with Calgary in time, although he's playing for Bill Peters, so uh, all bets are (laughs) off. Um, But I think the same thing about Ajo. He's not going to get worse than what he was. And remember, he set career highs before he went scoreless in his last 14 games. Mm Mm-hmm. And whether it was an injury or, as Rod Brindamore has said, um, he has to learn how to play against the other team's top centers. Uh, And he he was a good player, certainly not a great player in the playoffs, and they needed great Sebastian Ajo uh, if they had any chance to beat uh, Boston. Um, But he's gotten better every year. He's going to get at least somewhat better than we just saw. Mm -hmm. Isn't that player worth $9 million a year? I think so. But our opinion doesn't matter. Right, but but, <laughs> but we are dealing with smart people, Yeah, and if we're dealing with smart people, they have to see that too. So I think what's going on right now is they're trying to lose use their leverage. You're a restricted free agent. You don't have leverage as a restricted free agent. He doesn't have arbitration agent. rights. That's you have, huge. Right, you have no arbitration rights. So this is our offer. I want you to accept it. But when push comes to shove, I'll bet you they're closer to where they want to be, the player wants to be, than where the team wants to be. Don Waddell's been pretty optimistic, isn't the right word, but he has optimistic been... about everything. Well, no, but, but I you love could... Don. I really do. He has he his statements, his public statements, have been 
somewhat less than truthful. Okay. I, I honestly, I think he's he's essentially being. I mean, I'm again, I'm not trying to disparage Don. I don't. I think get, Don is saying what he has to say. I don't get the sense though that if things were really going off the rails, that he would that he would try to dress that up. I mean, he's going to dress it up to to an extent. But remember last year when we were talking about Jeff Skinner, it was obvious that Skinner was on his way out. Mm-hmm. You could and and I don't get that sense with Aho. It's a different oh, no, it's no. a different vibe. I don't like that's the, what I'm saying. I don't like when he's when he talks about how he doesn't have any urgency to do stuff. I'm like, no that, we yeah, need the that, urgency that to do stuff. That does bother me a little bit. I see what he's saying, but this can't drag on till September. With the Falk thing too, he said it. Mm-hmm. Falk, Aho, there should be urgency to get these right. done. But again, I think he's running interference for the owner. No, I think you're right. I mean, that's part of his job. Well, it, it, it is. It is his job, it, really. It, 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 well, it, for this particular owner. That's I think, what I mean, yeah. I, and, and we have to understand that in, in many ways, Tom Dundon's model for ownership is Jerry Jones. And mm-hmm. Jerry Jones is the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. His son's the, right. and, his son's the figure. Right. So as if there was exactly. any question. And if uh if even though Tom Dundon has said many, many times that uh I am not trying to make these deals, I'm no, Tom Dundon is he is He's not, driving the bus. Not only the final say, he's out in front of all of this. Right. Out he's, in a, front. he's a very active and engaged yeah. participant. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's I mean it's not great. But I'm not even saying that it's bad. It just is what it is. He has thrown himself into this whole process. Like, he's not making these decisions uh, on what to offer or who to go after without a uh, a framework of knowledge because he is immersing himself in the game. Yeah, he is. And and I, I interviewed Rod Brindamore about a month ago, and one of the things that Rod said unprompted when we were talking was how invested Tom yeah. has become in – he knows Every player on every team Absolutely. in the league, and he knows every contract situation of every player on every team in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a level of engagement that you rarely see from owners in the NHL and really in pro sports. And it's a it's a whole new world for a bunch of hockey men that have been around the game forever that have always had their way of doing things. I mean, you know, we've we've talked before about how you know Tom has different expectations for what his his guys should be doing in the middle of the summer when everybody <laughs> else is going, you know, to the the cottage on Lake Simcoe, you know, where's, Tom ain't going to a, Lake Simcoe. Uh, somewhere in Ontario. Oh, okay. Tom ain't <laughs> going to a cottage. It sounded like a Finnish cottage. No, to me. it's no, it's it's legit. What it's is legit. Sebastian Ajo doing right now? Uh, fishing. Oh, he's playing golf or yeah. playing golf in Finland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's trying to qualify for the Finnish Open. He and, he and Tavo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, does that does that come with an entry? Because next year the British Open's at St Andrews. I mean, he could. Does that come with an entry to? Uh, open? If you win the Finnish Open, yeah, oh, probably. So it's like Scottish Open probably. or whatever, the Irish Open, yeah, whatever oh, it is. <laughs> quality of quality events. The Hurricanes have a have a locker room full of very good golfers. Yeah, McKeg oh, yeah. is probably not going to be in it next year, but, McK- but Justin Williams Justin says Williams that McKeg might be better than uh, yeah. than mm-hmm. Justin. Really? I mean, there's Justin. Uh-huh. The Brock McGinn plays. Oh, is he is he good? Uh, I know he's a good. I'm I'm not sure he's, he's good uh, at fishing. Yeah, I'm not sure he's you know below a ten handicap, but and uh, Nino Niederreiter plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of dudes in there that play. Mm-hmm. All right, so play you, well. you brought up Brock McGinn. So, Fogle, Martinuk, McGinn, Madelenin. Is there too much redundancy? 
Probably. But every team has guys like that, and I don't – I mean, what are you going to – what are you going to fill those spaces with is Right, my but if the Hurricanes do not – well, I mean, there are – I mean, we, we all anticipate that at some point Justin Williams is going to come back. I do. I anticipate yeah. he's coming back. Martin Natchez is going to be on the team. Unless he goes to the Kings again, which I saw floated out there oh, on The you? Athletic today. Should the Kings try to get Justin Williams back to try to uh, revitalize their situation? Kings have a lot of revitalizing yeah, to do. Probably not a great situation <laughs> for him. But yeah, I just I don't I don't see his family's going to stay here. I don't see him playing in LA. No, I just I don't, don't either. I mean, could Justin Williams play in a uh, on a different team? Yeah, I guess, but it would be a team in the East. It would not be a team uh in If he time wants zone. to come back, he's coming back. Yeah, yeah. And they'll figure out a spot. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't believe that they're going to be so active that all of a sudden they're going to add three forwards in free agency and in trades. No, I don't that think so they're going to Dom Le, Dom Lechizen says is that how you say his name? He says sure. that he could command a 3-year uh like 6 billion dollar a year deal. Can't. We can't. I, I don't like think that. he can be signed to anything more than a one-year deal. Yeah, I, I could see him maybe getting two. Well, but no, yeah, I, I think agree with you. It, isn't it by rule because he's thirty? He'll be thirty-eight at the start of the season. No, so, he can still sign. It just you can't you can't buy it out. Oh, you, okay, that's right. You can't you can't buy it out, and which is what ultimately right. the the cap hit. After you get above 35, you can't get cap relief from buying out right. a contract. So that's why the Hurricanes yeah. are hit for all 6.25. Yeah, but he's not going to sign that kind of contract. No, I don't think so either. I mean, he's going to sign a one-year deal, regardless yeah. of where it is. And I, and honestly, One-year deal, probably about where it was last year, give or take, you know, half a million. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, he's, a, he's, a, he's on the Glenn Wesley retirement contract at this point. <laughs> if he decides he wants to play... He calls up. He calls up Don Waddell. Says, "I'm coming back." Right. That by that afternoon, they've got a deal signed, and he's out. You know, playing RCC again. I, well, that was. I was going to say. I think this comes back to golf. I think it depends on how well the summer goes. If he's if he's not playing well, then back to the right. ice it is. If he's if he's thinking about playing right. in the North South, uh, right. you know, amateur. Yeah, you're right. Um, who's the Who's the captain? If let, let's just say nothing else gets screwed up, mm-hmm. Ajo's in. Blah blah blah. Who's the captain? I think it's Aho. It might be Justin. It might be uh, Jordan Stahl. I think you can make a case there. I think you make a case for Jacob Slave, and I've made that case. But I think it's Aho. I mean, everybody kind of knows that he's the guy down the road. And you know, we've kind of seen. You mentioned Landeskog earlier. Connor McDavid took over at age 19 as the captain. Teams are going to younger captains. Well, they're going to their best player. Yeah, they're going to their best player. Every team has their best player. Yeah, I think we're past the days where captain. Jason Smith was the captain of the Edmonton Oilers. Right. You know? Dave uh, Andrichuk. Yeah. In uh, in Tampa. Well, that's a little bit different. No, but on the Tampa but, team that won the title yeah. in, in was it, uh, 04. 04. I mean, he was if that team, If that Le team Cavalier was playing here. and St. Louis and Brad Richards. If that team Andrew was Tuck playing was in 2019, LeCavalier is your captain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I think it's Ajo. What do you think? I, I mean, I, I guess by default it would be Ajo, but honestly I don't love that yet either. I mean, Jordan, we've kind of tried that experiment before. I don't, Well, I don't, we haven't tried it with him as the solo captain. True. I think he would, I think I, he, he would, I think he would take it on. He would be, he would probably be, I don't know. I just don't think he's, a, he's vocal enough. Um, at least from what what we know about him, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he is maybe they learned something from seeing Justin Williams do the job this year a little bit. Uh, you know, Justin Falk jumps back into my mind again uh, only because I feel without a contract extension. Well, I, I don't know. No, that, if yeah. he has a contract extension, yes. But the the thing that I like about Falk is that he has both 
the the on ice or the, the on ice pedigree. Like he's a he's a he's a top player. And although I'm not sure he has the bedside manner, at least he's willing to say things. Mm-hmm. The one thing and about very Ju- honest about right. the, the one thing about Justin, though, that I'll say is that he was visibly different this year when he didn't have the pressure of the captaincy on him. And there are guys, with there that. are guys in the world who do better when they have less pressure on them. There are guys in the world who do better with more pressure on them. Justin Williams being one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I just know that in terms of his demeanor and how he approached the game, Justin Falk was a much more comfortable player I, this year yeah. without having the C on his jersey. No, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with that. But when I and and when I look at Aho and I understand like when you're choosing a, a a captain, you know it either comes down to whether or not you are like the top player on the team, whether whether or not you can show it on the ice, or whether or not you have some kind of clout in terms. Of the the uh, the the equity that you've put in the mm-hmm. game, Justin uh, Justin uh, Williams happens to have both of those mm-hmm. things, which makes him the most ideal captain that there is. Uh, but I don't I don't see Sebastian Ajo as a guy who has command of the room yet, and to me that matters a little bit more than. You know, you have to have some of that to me. I think you're I personally of the guys mentioned, I think Falk would make the best one, but I Brian, I think your point about he was a different player this year, different person this year without that pressure. And I ultimately think the answer would be Aho, but I agree with Alec yeah. that I don't see that as the right fit. Well here's what would here's that an do idea, to Sebastian. Here's an idea out of left field. How about Jordan Martinuk for a couple of years? I actually thought about I mean, that. I mean, he's never going to get it, but that's the type of guy that if anybody could do Remember Kevin Adams? It, yeah. Yeah. I, I I texted Kevin Adams. That was such a name drop thing. Yeah, it was. I apologize. Uh, I texted Kevin Adams. Oh, look, it's you. Yeah. Earlier Big this shooter. Yeah, exactly. Get out of my way. <laughs> Text the governor next after that. They see him rolling. I don't have the governor's cell phone. Um, <laughs> that's probably a good but thing. But I, I texted Kevin about Martinook, and I said he reminds me of you uh, in that, because Kevin Adams wore an A on the the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. team in 06, and uh, he was just an incredibly good leader, and even though he was a fourth-line center, and that's all Kevin really was, uh, that it was a good fit in leadership. Yeah. I, I just I think Mar- I think Martin could wear a letter. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it could be the C. I agree because honestly, you know, I, this gets back to the redundancy thing about the um, the the lineup is that with McGinn, Manalinen, Fogel, and Martinuk, I think that that is a problem with redundancy, and this is why I hope the Hurricanes carry extra forwards this year, which they haven't really done in the past, uh, because I don't think that they're going to be any better if all four of those guys are in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And that's my ultimate problem, which is why I think as much as it would – one of them is going to go, I think. I don't think it'll be Fogel. I'm pretty sure it won't be Martinuk. And I kind of – I have a hard time seeing them trade away their top penalty killer other than Jordan Stahl in, uh, in Brock McGinn. So I kind of think they're going to – that Madeleine could be moved. Well, e- either either way. Yeah. I, I, I love his upside, but either way, some I think something's going to give there. Anyway, um, it's just an interesting, like uh, a mental exercise to play. Yeah. Like, who would be the captain? It might fall back on Slavin. Yeah, because um, I, I think I, he's going to get an A at some point anyway. I'm a huge Slavin fan. I thought a couple of years ago it would ultimately be Pesci, but yeah. I don't. I, but Brett's not. No, he's not, not there yet. Yeah, he's not. He's not there yet. Uh, Slavin, but I think the answer might be Falk, if uh, 
if Justin and maybe Justin Falk play. under Rod Brandamore is a different has a different approach year. to the game player this year. than Justin Falk under Bill Peters. And I think Alex's reasoning, I think your reasoning is right. That you need this is my this would be my problem with Slavin as a captain. Even when things are bad, things are never bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just don't think you can be that way as the captain. Uh maybe That's to fair. the media to an extent, but I think you d- the the position demands honesty. The one thing that I respect the hell out of Justin Williams is that he will come out and tell you up front. Falk does, too. Right. That's yeah. the thing about but, Falk. But I think the one thing does that it maybe— Does it five times the amount of words, but, but he doesn't. The, the, <laughs> other, the other side of that, though, is that you have to be able to lift guys up as well. Mm-hmm. And Williams can do that. And, yeah. I, I mean, I think that Justin Falk commands enough respect from the guys in the room. I think he's a good teammate. You know, I think yes. I think the guys on the team like him. I think he has fun with the guys. So I think he could do that, but, you know— y- Justin Williams does that so well. You know, you, you, you read the stories about the things that Justin Williams <laughs> says to guys yeah. before they go out and play big games. You know, I just referenced that L.A. King story earlier where one of the guys who contributes to the story talks about what Williams told the guys before uh, they went out and, and won a Stanley Cup in L.A. And it was basically like, I just wanted the guys to know how much I loved them and I cared about them. And you know, don't don't make this something that you're going to look back on and and be upset about. And he didn't even um, wear a letter. No. Right. Matter and, of fact, this is the first time he's ever worn a letter. You know, I know it's amazing, shocking. How is Justin Williams for the at age 37 has never been an I mean, A? My right. point, my my point is that you can't always be the be the guy that's like you suck tonight. Pick right. it up. No, you, you know, gotta like, be. You gotta be you both. Know, even if it's true, right? You you can't be. The, the 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 harsh guy every single time. I think you're right. Uh, all right, two, uh, maybe three. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go too— This might uh, be the world's longest I podcast. I don't want to go too deep. We are we are approaching the hour mark, so I, I generally I don't think we've ever run longer than an hour. I think I might have done that with Eric Cole once because Cole was in storytelling mode. Um, and by the way, Brian LeBlanc, Brian LeBlanc from Kane's Country, Alec Campbell, Stormwatch, and uh, The Aftermath. Uh, and the Adam and Joe show. And I'm here. Um, do they have to back up this past playoff appearance with another one to really cement the culture change? Yes, I think they do. And Rod's kind of said that. I mean, he's he's whenever you ask him about whether the culture change has fully taken effect, he says yes to the extent that it could in one year. But now we have to back it up almost without taking a breath. He says that um, I think you do have to back it up. Um you know, if I'll, I'll qualify that by saying if for some reason the Hurricanes get 97 points next year and miss the playoffs, then I think you might be able to. Got to be in it. Yeah. But. Got to be in it all year. Yeah. But you've got. Yeah. You, you can't. They can't start this year the way they started last year. And I know Rod said that they wanted better. 4 and one Just stop. kidding. I'm just. Stop. <laughs> um, I know that Rod said over and over again until he's blue in the face that that was the best hockey they played all year. But we've got to see that consistently. They've got to get the results. Yeah, they got to get some bounces, but they have to be in the in. They have to be in the discussion from day one. They can't afford to, you know, have to take off in January again like they did last right. year. I mean, if uh, other than Tampa, they had the best record in the sport. They were great from New Year's Eve on. Mm-hmm. Other than Tampa, 
What do you think? I, I can't by default be be a results oriented guy. That's not who I am. So I have to stay true to myself. <laughs> to me, you work in radio. How can you say that? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the process. Uh, to me, I'm a process to me, guy. it's more about how it all happens. Uh, as as you said, you know, sort of in your answer is that you know if it looks good and they and we end up in a metropolitan division again like this one was this year, which is which you know, is likely, which is crazy and a complete crapshoot, and you come out of it with ninety seven or ninety eight points and miss the playoffs out of it, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, if if that's a failure of a season necessarily. Um, I mean, you'd like to keep the momentum going, obviously, if you can get in the playoffs and mm-hmm. make another run at it. We saw this year that, you know, as we've seen in past years, anything can happen. Get in. In the playoffs. You, you get in, you catch the hot goaltender like the Hurricanes did. You know, you go on a crazy run. Um, you know, it's it would be nice to do that again. But I feel like, again, I test. If it looks like it's working and they just barely miss, then mm-hmm. – that's okay to me. I yeah, agree. I mean, it, it, it is about how they go about uh, their business. By the way, the Devils got better. Not only do they add uh, Hughes, they trade for P.K. Subban. You've got Taylor Hall coming back from injury. The Devils are going to be a player. If they get any kind of goaltending, I think mm-hmm. the Devils will be good. Uh, you're, you're discounting the loss of Steven Santini, sir. I am. That Thank is you. terrible. Uh, Rangers get Capo Caco uh, and – they could spend a lot of money. They're, you don't. Yeah, they're you going have to no spend idea on what the Rangers are going to do. They're a wild card in this. Uh, the only question I have is they might not have goaltending. Yeah. Right, because definitely Lundqvist, Lundqvist is at is, the end, yeah. and I don't think uh, Georgiev is, uh, is there yet. Philadelphia adds Kevin Hayes. I think the contract's nuts, but uh, they add Kevin Hayes, so it makes them better, at least in the short term. Matty Niskanen is a good add. He's fine. Uh, he's okay, yeah. but... I mean, they need that anyway. So, um, and it's the second year of the their goalie prospect. So. I think everybody's kind of underrating how much of a loss Anders Lee would be to the Islanders. Well, yeah, but now is he going to leave? I know they're they're dealing uh-huh. with. And and it's not a center though. We can't uh, we no. can't steal yeah. him. From, no, but he's still a forty goal yeah, scorer. And you can't, in, in this in many, this division, you can't lose that. And, and what would he what would he ask for? Like seven or eight years for a pretty big number. How many of those guys? Well, he could couldn't you ask have for, on a team? he couldn't ask for eight because you can only get that from your current team. Right. So seven. Right. Seven. So the uh, the projection is around six and a half million a year. Feel it the feels Islanders, high. The is Islanders that, could. I do was going to say, is that doable to have one guy on an eight year contract and another guy on a seven year contract? For that much money? I don't know. I mean, McDavid and Dreisaitl, I guess. Yeah. And everybody in Toronto. Yeah, true. <laughs> although, although actually, um, Matthews is on Matthews a five-year Matthews on a five. Oh, man. People I think are Marner's probably the... not going to go more than about five or six. I think Marner will. Marner wants essentially the same contract that Matthews got. Yeah. He may get it. He... Yeah. It's going to be pretty close uh, to that. All right. Uh, Serge, yes. Bring it back. I, I say if... If they are into it and they can find original things to do, then I'm cool with it. But, man, it's going to be hard to top <laughs> the organic nature yeah. of everything that happened last year. Agreed. And You're not going to so, top Brock McGinn playing don't, Thor. Don't shoehorn it. If the guys aren't feeling it, then don't don't make it happen just because. Yeah, you can't uh, – it's, it's a tightrope to walk, and if – you know they have to be careful with it because the expectation from the fans is going to be that if they go to a game and the Hurricanes win, they're going to want to see it. Right. If the guys aren't into it, they're not going to accept it. You know, being you know a, a half baked idea. I think you'll see statements prior to the season. Yeah, I do uh, too. Of I think you have. We're to. not going to surge. 
um, if they ultimately reach that decision where they don't. Um, I like the idea of maybe coming up with something else that you could still call a storm surge, but maybe it's another type of of post game celebration. Come yeah, out and throw t-shirts to the crowd. Yeah, man. something yeah. like that. Like yeah. come out a- and throw t-shirts. Something something more than the obligatory go to center ice and raise your right. sticks. Right. Uh, uh, fine. Yeah, what was your favorite one? My my favorite one was Thor. Thor. Yeah. Alec. Uh, Thor or Evander. Oh, yeah, I forgot about it, man. Yeah. It was Vander Holyfield. <laughs> Although I think I think a really underrated one was Warren Fogle on opening day. Oh, the, the home run. Yeah, the the uh, yeah the the walk getting off. showered. Yeah, well, there home were plate. there My- were so many little intricacies to that. Uh-huh. Dougie Hamilton slamming his glove on the mound <laughs> after he gave up the home run. That uh, was great. My favorite was Limbo because yeah. it was just goofy. Just flat out goofy. I'm still mad at Brett Pesci, by the way, for not knowing the 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 rules to uh, Duck Duck Goose. <laughs> um, all right, so it's a rough life you lead, Ag. We'll we'll close on this. Uh, the Hurricanes now have an ECHL affiliate after Peter Carmanos apparently kicked him out, I guess, from Florida, or maybe the team wanted to leave Florida. I think the team probably wanted. Uh, to who leave. cares? Um, so it's not the Florida Ever- Everblades anymore. It's the Greenville, Greenville Swamp- South Carolina Swamp Rabbits. Which, by the way, if you took Swamp Rabbits out of the logo, the logo is awesome. Yeah, agreed. I love all of it. I love right? the logo. I love the name. Formerly the, swamp- the Greenville Growl. Once yeah. upon a time, really? Yes. So look it up. Give me your best swamp rabbit joke. I mean, it's got to be they score like rabbits. There's <laughs> a man walks into a bar joke here. I'm not going to finish, but you can, you know. Um, do, you have a, do you have a swamp rabbit no, joke? No, I don't. All You're right, putting here, me on the spot. Here's here. my swamp rabbit joke. Okay. I hope that the Hurricanes, uh, minor league affiliate, can reproduce a championship. Oh, God. Just like they did in Charlotte. That's all, folks. <laughs> have a great day. Tip your, uh, tip your waitresses and bartenders. Thank you very much. Um, all right, we got to uh, Brian LeBlanc. What's next? First thing the Hurricanes should, will do, and then we'll close. Uh, first thing they should do is use some of that money they saved on Calvin DeHaan to go after Matt Duchesne. Okay. Alec? I, 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 in the interest of saying something different than uh, Brian did, I will say figure out the goaltender situation. Okay. Um, uh, but – why, dis- Man, why I, disagree with correctness? Adam? I mean, I really, uh-huh. I really want a center. Yeah. Okay. That's what I really want. All right. The uh, the correct answer is, and this would have ripple effects all over the place, is agree with Sebastian Ajo. Yeah. You bring Ajo back on what everybody looks at as a fair contract, eight times eight times nine. I like that number. And your fan base goes, fan base goes. Here's our star. He's going to be here for as long as I'm going to be watching this. There's your Summerfest uh, breaking news on Saturday. I don't think it'll happen so quickly. No, I don't think so. But that's what I think they should do first. Brian LeBlanc, screwed up the name 16 times today. Brian LeBlanc from Kane's Country at BD LeBlanc. There you go. It's the only hockey name on this podcast today. Uh, (laughs) On Twitter. Even that's Uh, Also at Kane's Country. You guys do great work. Thank you. I read you guys all the time. Um, Even when uh, that Brett dude writes. Just kidding. I like Brett. Brett's a good guy. Uh, Brett is. Uh, Alec Campbell. Reader, at, uh, reader of things. <laughs> host of Consumer Stormwatch. Consumer of content. Host of Stormwatch and Aftermath at Alec Campbell 5 on Twitter. And I'm Adam, so we'll see you later. 
That's this week's Canes Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. Is getting your CPAP supplies a real pain? It doesn't have to be that way. Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers, and we are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Our streamlined process makes getting your CPAP as easy as one, two, three, and we ship anywhere in the state. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. 